Hey listeners, it's Rachel. Before you get to this podcast, I just wanted to let you all know that one, we're really excited to have you listen to this next chapter and that we're really excited that we managed to do this two weeks in a row. And two, that I'm currently sitting in my hotel room in Boston and I have PAX East tomorrow, so I really did not have the time to do a ton of editing to this episode. So it is going to be a little longer than episodes in the future will probably be. There are some cuts because Ari gets real wild. Ari goes crazy, and I just had to cut that out. It was too it was too weird and wild for all of you to listen to. But I really hope you enjoy this podcast, even if it's a little bit less polished than I would like it to be. Enjoy! Happy listening! Hello, listeners, and welcome to Legends in Review, an unofficial and unaffiliated podcast where we review DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your host, Ari. And this week we were talking about Legends of Tomorrow 213, The Doctor's Wife. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, I, Neil Gaiman's gonna sue. Neil Gaiman is watching this episode last night, and he is just livid. Neil Gaiman is sliding down the fire pole that I assume he has in his home instead of stairs. It's covered in spiders. It's covered in spiders. And he is going to Phil Clemmer's house, and he is just gonna smack Phil's mouth clean off. Incidentally, uh, hi, I'm Detective Wright all the time. And this is your partner, also Detective Bright all the time. There's because no terrible detective here, because we both fucking called this. We did call last week that Riff was going to put his dick in the robot wife. And, you know, Phil Clemmer actually heard our podcast last week and said, I gotta, I gotta do that. Called everyone back. They had finished, they had wrapped, the set was all covered, and he, he called everyone back. He made them redo it. Because our idea was so good. I, I just, I, like, I joked about this thinking, oh, they're never going to do this. It's, it's, we're just, we're just being silly. We're just having a jape. We were not having a jape. He, he kissed the robot on, on the, on the mouth and. I'm sorry. What does it mean to have a jape? <laughs> it's like some old timey term for like rapscallions stealing pies off of windowsills, I think. I don't know. It's 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 the it's the old English equivalent of like cheeky Nando's. Don't worry about it. I um, I, I, I assume next week is just going to be Riff yelling cheeky Nando's because he's back now and he's I think twice as English as he was before and he was already pretty English to start. He he. It was it was. I mean, we can start. I think with the fact that. Sarah comes back to see him after he's all been, like, unbrainwashed and he's normal again. She's just got, like, her tits out and, like, her arms are buff. And she's just like, I have missed you so much and so have my breath also, which is why I'm wearing half of a shirt. And he looks like he's ready to die. He's like, mmm, that's nice. And then Gideon is like, I enjoyed that emotional moment we had together. And his face is not, I also enjoyed making out with you, hot older lady computer wife. His face says, I'm going to burn this ship down, change my name for like the third time now, fourth time. I don't even fucking know. Gotta open a new time ship under a new name. No, (laughs) not again. He's gonna though. Like he, 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 his emotions are a mess right now. Let's. Let's at least try to, you know, structure this podcast as we go into it. That's your little intro taste. And this podcast probably will end up being 90% talking about Rip and Gideon, 5% talking about Rip and Sarah, 5% other. This is basically our cold open. So let's start chronologically. Okay, well, I have a list of items we need to discuss. Like a grocery list? Yes. Number one is sexy robot body. Number two, missing members. Number three, the nat- the Namaya. 
Uh, four is Mick and Stein, and then five is we do not have CGI budget. And I'd like to open with number five, actually. I'd like uh, to open with we do not have CGI budget. Ari, do you want to take it away? Like, it's not that they don't have a budget. They must have money. Like, I mean, admittedly I, I not a lot of money, but they must have a decent amount of money because they pull these technical effects off. But they, they do not know when to pick their budgetary battles. This is not, I understand this is a sci-fi, fantasy, whatever kind of show, but there is absolutely no need for that extended sequence we had in the beginning of the episode with the wave rider falling into the whatever dinosaur era they were in. And that's what you Because listeners, Ari has never seen the film Spice World. But I have. And those of you that have will recall that the climax of the film, when they are about two seconds away from being late to the concert is them in their giant ridiculous tour bus and they have to jump the London Bridge because of course they do. And the movie just decides that they're going to take a little bus, like a hot car. Did I say hot car? I meant to say hot wheels. I probably should have gone with hot car because who knows what the legality of that is. But they have their little hot wheels and they painted it to look like the Spice Girls bus, and they just have a bric-a-brac bridge, and they just put the little car over the bridge. Are you telling me they did They did miniatures? They did fucking miniatures? They did it as poorly as humanly possible, but no, that's No, I actually, funny. hold on, hold on, I'm sorry. Technical effects, I love technical effects, I love practical effects. It was not, it was not done in any way to look like a I practical also, effect. I also love bad technical effects. Yeah. Bad practical effects are incredible i love models and miniatures because in the right hands you have stuff like kaiju films and in the wrong hands you have the climax of spice world so i would have rather did so right i would have rather they had gone the full ed wood and just painted like they did that they did they did the full plan nine with whatever that time thingamagob in the opening was that was literally just one of those like echo devices like they they just kind of Burnished it gold and said, "That's a magical time device." And I was like, "You got that for fifty dollars off of a fifty dollars? Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, it just, what it, kind it, of Hollywood? But that's what I mean. When I when I say they don't know how to pick their budgetary battles, this is what I mean. They won't spend money on like props. They won't spend money on costumes. So everyone yes. kind of incidentally, I hope you really love the clothes that everybody was wearing in the last shot of that episode because that's the clothes they're going to be wearing through the finale and probably into next season. You know how in the Venture Brothers, Hank and Dean send all their clones out to fight the uh, Guild of Calamitous Intent, and so they are the last clones, and if they die, that's it? That is the trench coat that Rip is wearing right now. That is the last one. They stapled it to Arthur Darville. He he sleeps in it now. It's been meat glued to his body. But my point is, they have no... They don't know where to budget. So they'll say, let's spend, I don't know, probably $200,000 on, like, CGI sequences for the season. For the whole season. I think they just had a heart attack. I know. But then they'll say, okay, so uh, we're going to give Arthur Darville $5 and let him pick out his own clothes at a rummage sale. And not, like, one of the sexy ones in Chelsea. Buffalo Exchange Sebastian Stan works at. How, Running how? joke. I'm sorry for the for for those of you that have no idea where this joke is coming from. Welcome to the running joke. Sebastian Stan works at Buffalo Exchange. That's the most New York thing we have said thus far in this podcast. We should have we should have a jar. But my point is, first off, how dare you? Buffalo Exchange carries brand name fashion. I'm talking. I'm not talking a sexy Chelsea just like rummage sale. I am talking like a, a flea market in. 
in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, that you take because Google put you on a back road rather than having to deal with parkway traffic. That happened okay. to us. That, that, we yes, did not stop a- at a thrift store, but if we had, we would have found the Legends wardrobe for this season. Yeah, pretty much. Like they don't have, they don't, they don't know when to prioritize. And honest to God, I would, given that it is a fantasy sci-fi show, and I'm sure you're saying, but what about like the giant robot fights? What about the extended, yeah, here's like, Here's the thing about the, the T-Rex, because I was going to go into, let's talk about things I couldn't afford this episode. One, the ship crashing. Two, that really cool uh, Hot Topic fire they had on Evil Jacks. Just looking at it hurt me, because I know how much that cost. They did not have money. But, hold on, because I want to finish the that the T-Rex. Yeah, the T-Rex, they didn't, they didn't have money for, but, like, I want to say what they could have the money for and would make the show a little more... I don't know, grounded in, in something. Not exactly reality, but you, you know what I mean. In my Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Grounded in, like, better-looking television. Grounded in the principle of mise-en-scene. Whatever. Yeah, but, my like, point... have you seen The Flash? First off, I think, let's go back to the fact that I think if I asked a certain, if I asked Phil Clemmer to pronounce mise-en-scene, I think he might cry. My second point let's is... Let's to a chair it... and make him do it. If anybody knows we'll Phil make... Clemmer's personal address... I'm sorry, this is going this is going too far. Never we mind. To, Continue. We have, to cut, we have to cut this. I'm not cutting that. We're, we're cutting it in post. We're editing edit it. Um my point is, is that this is the kind of show where if they had more realistic costuming, more attention to detail in the periods they were doing, and didn't just do generic vintage TM for their 40s or 50s or 30s episodes, and did something that wasn't a party city medieval times for their more fantasy episodes, I would really appreciate it because it would look a lot cooler and give a little more realism to the show. There's just, I don't really want or care about a giant robot fight. I would really appreciate if your costumes didn't look like children should be wearing them in a school theater production. That would be amazing and would cost maybe half as much. That was really harsh, but fair. It was harsh, harsh, but fair. And we criticize because we love. Uh, Do you want to, do you want to take an anonymous question? Do you want to take a, you want to take a viewer question? Listener question? Oh, did we get, oh yeah, absolutely. We, We did get a listener question. Nice. Uh, and is it, why are you the worst people of all time who make obscure jokes and references yelling over each other that nobody gets? No. Uh, so here's a question. It says, Rachel, how much did it kill you when Ray sort of mentioned Kendra? Can <laughs> I go into this? That's really specific. Yes, I would love for you to talk about that. Okay. So this actually goes into point two that I read off our list, which is missing members. And that refers to the show's just complete refusal to, when they're talking about the team, in season one or prior how Mick is allowed to talk about Len, but then they don't all go, Oh yeah, he was a valued member of our team or how everybody has just seemed to forget Kendra exists until this moment when Ray said, well, I dated on this ship, you know, it's this very weird kind of, okay, this is the team. Nobody else has ever been here. And I don't think it's mean-spirited. You know, I can think of other team shows where there are exclusions and it's very mean-spirited. It's not mean-spirited. It's just I'm honestly not sure the show is comfortable juggling members of, say, this family that aren't even there and that we can't see because they have a hard time juggling the people that are there. And so it kind of pissed me off when I saw Ray's little dolls and he didn't have a little Kendra one, especially when he was supposed to be stranded in the past closer to the season one finale 
Yeah, that was basically like. So right I'm just telling myself in. that he actually has one and he keeps it in his pocket. He always keeps it on him. Or I that just, he raised a baby pterodactyl named Kendra too. That's adorable. But we could not afford the graphics for Kendra too. God no. But there is something to be said for the fact that I think it the only time Carter doesn't get brought up, and I'm a little more okay with Carter being brought up, because Carter was actually basically in the in for the first season for a grand total of five minutes. So that's fine. But Len is only brought up by Mick in passing he never uses his name um and it's just very not like there's not enough given to it once like they had that a couple episodes where like len was a hallucination space ghost i still think he was actually a time ghost you they're know, not gonna we have two characters len and kendra that mean a ton to these people or at least we were supposed to believe they do so mentioning them occasionally you Isn't know enough would be fine. I don't... Because this was such a good episode. And I'm sure you saw on my Tumblr that the only way this episode could have possibly been better is if you just opened a door and there were Len and Kendra drinking tea and they just say, oh, you didn't see this. And the door starts closing. That's the only way this episode could have been better because it was such a good episode. Us critiquing their just tragic and hilarious misuse of budget aside. Yeah, well, that's that's more of a larger, that's not really like a writing problem. I would have bigger beef if it was a writing problem. This is just me being a, I, I, I am, I am department, a, I just want to fucking talk. I, I am a diehard, I really do think TV should be using practical effects more. CGI is just not, we haven't quite gotten there yet, guys. Um, give it another 10 years and it'll look as good as movie CGI for about half the price. But right now, my point is practical effects are great. Please invest in practical effects. Robert Rodriguez um, can make a vampire show for five dollars and a bag of tortilla chips but whoa like, where are you getting a whole bag of chips all right half a bag of chips Fancy. um <laughs> but it is like with len especially because mick and len were married it, like they were married let's not let's not beat the they were married they were they were married and and we can talk about how they dance around that subject like it's cute and it drives me nuts but i we don't have the time for that. We'll do it later because Len's coming back in a couple episodes. We saw him in the stills. He's, he's coming back. We'll deal with it. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We will but torch that bridge when we get to it. We if will we're absolutely burn that bridge. But, like, it's like because with Mick and Ray, they are both very devoted. Ray should be talking about Kendra more, even if just in passing. There's not really enough brief mentions. And the brief mentions that we do get are so devoid of real emotion and don't seem to influence their behavior in any meaningful way where I'm like what I I my bare concern is they just seem to have dropped a lot of the lingering threads from season one and I'm really kind of annoyed with that because I do want some level of continuity there you cannot tease Thanagar you cannot tease Thanagar possibly going to war with Earth and then just be like about it like they just the fact that they just kind of unceremoniously dropped them out of the plot and then sort of swept they swept most of season one under the rug and it's really annoying and a lot of that is compounded by what we discussed last podcast which is the first half of season two which is basically filler before the crossover and now the second half of season two is so caught up in its own plot line that we never really got that first half of season two that should have been dealing with the fallout from season one like rip hasn't really addressed the fact that he had to come to terms in the last episode of season one like you can't save your wife and kid like they're dead sorry and we have not heard them mentioned except briefly by rip when he was evil to sort of be like hey everything sucks my family is still dead but 
I don't know if we're going to hear him talk about that again this season. No, and it's annoying, especially since they're trying to do, and now he wants to fuck Gideon and also yeah. Sarah. And you like, know cut. what? Let's cut the sad stuff. Let's just get straight to the meat, what everyone is here for. Point number one, sexy robot body. Let's do it. Let's just let's just blast this. We, God damn it. All right. So let's start at the beginning, though, because we actually should start at the beginning like we said we were going to, which is Sarah. I'm still pissed we didn't get that conversation between Sarah and Rip when he was, like, brainwashed because the three people Rip has interacted with while being brainwashed were Jax, Nick, and Sarah for the most part. I can't really remember him having any major contact with the rest of the team. Um, So Jax and Rip got a good heart-to-heart while he was brainwashed. Nick and Rip, eh, but he did get that one, like, you and I are a lot more alike now, aren't we, kind of moment. That was cool. But... Rip and Sarah should really have interacted at some point while he was still, like, Legion Rip, because the only times they do is when he is trying to kill her. And it's classic. But, like, it's frustrating because there's a lot of potential for, like, anger and arguing and, like, the good tension that would make this kind of, like, just just engaging. Just thinking about that tension, I am Italian chef kissing the fingers. Yeah, it would be incredible, because you know, they're both, like, Sarah is very quick to anger sometimes, and I think he, you know, like, Rip would be deliberately trying to bait her temper, but we don't see it. Like, we only see him kind of interact with her when she's either unconscious or he's just shot her and he speaks with her briefly. Like, we don't get to see them have, like, she's like, oh, he told me go to hell, and I'm like, okay, so, like, but what... But like, where what, is it? But what led up to that? Like, where is it, Philip? Did you start like? Did you start blaming him for everything? Did you, you know, did you blame him for the not telling you about Laurel? Did you guys just fight about like what did you fight about? And we didn't really see it, and I'm pissed. So I'm hoping we get flashbacks maybe next episode to it because they're going to be having that captain showdown or whatever. Um, But that was really annoying. Um, I'm really hoping we we do see it because that's such a missed opportunity. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, what? we're getting to sexy robot body, but we can't talk about sexy robot body without talking about Rip and Sarah. And if we're going to mention the captain showdown before we podcast about that next week, I just want to say ideal captain showdown ideas. Number one, they are standing on two platforms in a body of water and they have the giant Q-tips and they have to hit each other with it. I was thinking exactly that. What the fuck? Oh my God. (laughs) I was literally was thinking, like, the, thinking, oh, that's... I was I was thinking, no, because I was thinking, like, the Q-tip fencing, like, that. Because that would be so undignified and incredible. Okay, uh, what is another fun way they could show down for Captain? Uh, Sarah is going to buy Jack's booze. Uh, so she can be the cool, fun parent. Yes, I was gonna... Okay, mine was gonna be, uh, see who can better stimulate the AI. But... That's, this is a family program. It's what? What? <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why I've said sexy robot body. I think if somebody's keeping count at least twenty seven times by now, because God. we're a family fucking program. I don't know how to do math, alright? Okay, first off, send me the fuck is. Okay. There's a lot to talk about about Gideon. Um I I'm sorry, I know we want to get to the sexy robot stuff. I have to focus on this first though, because yeah. When Sarah talks about the neural uplink, I don't actually remember what it was really called. Neural uplink sounded cooler anyway. There was a lot about the way that they described the neural uplinks as like very violent and invasive and cruel in a way that made me very uncomfortable. And like we didn't 
really see them debate that for a very long time. I understood plot was of the essence, but they could have specified that like maybe these things aren't always used to be violent, but can be in the wrong hands. But since they kind of made it sound like these neural uplink things are always violent, it was like a little weird that they only briefly like. Yes, it was very weird that he, I mean, I know for plot convenience, it was that he'd had it on the ship the entire time, but it was also one of those things where I was thinking to myself, had the team known since season one that this kind of thing existed and the ship just came with it, they probably would have been a lot more anti-Time Lords by, like, episode two if you had just mentioned that you had this. Yeah, I think he was worried, to be honest. I mean, this is very much the, oh, we have a machine that regrows hands, but we couldn't say it all this because that wasn't, we hadn't thought of that yet. We can't, a lot he of, didn't a lot lose of, a hand, he just died. We can't, a lot un, of the, we can't I regrow know. a full Aldous. I guess, but like a lot of the CWDC TV shows have this problem where it's just kind of new gadgets and tech as the plot demands and they don't really set up anything to be used consistently. They just kind of have it when they need it. So Len, we have a machine to regrow Len's hand because we wanted Len to have to, you know, freeze his hand off and we have a machine to upload people's brains into other people's brains because we need that for this plot line to work and i mean we did see it in the vanishing point but we didn't know it was on the ship there's never been any hint of it being on the ship but if we want to consider that it has been on the ship the whole time and this isn't just kind of like sloppy writing rip probably didn't tell them because i think they would have immediately been like okay so why do you have it then like it, it, they, he was worried that they wouldn't think, oh, the Time Masters are bad. They would think, Rip, why the hell do you have this kind of thing on the ship? Are you I planning mean, to I know it it's really us? sloppy writing and it did not technically exist before this episode, but also, I guess now in retroactive canon, he has had it on the ship this entire time and Mick has been fully aware that he has had it on the ship this entire time. Yeah, why was Mick? You know what? I don't want to know why Mick was aware of it because, again, sloppy writing. Um, it... it <sighs> There's no, there's that plot hole, plot hole, just the black holes opening in your, in your living room. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, there goes my necklace. There it goes. I'm so sorry. But like, they, they, they probably should have established this earlier. Yeah. It, it, it was mind, it was uncomfortable that they made it like there, there, you could have established it could have been used in non-negative ways and then they didn't. And I feel bad because we're ragging on this episode a lot. We both really liked it. This episode made me feel so happy in so many ways. And we just have to get to the part that made me feel happy. We just have yeah, to like, criticize, like, you know... This is establishing some stuff we really needed. make, in my opinion, a review series that is just, this was amazing. My yeah, eyes yeah. fell out of my face. That's boring. You, nobody, nobody wants to hear us talk about the stuff we like until we're making jokes about, like, one of them fisting the other. So we're kind of... getting to the fisting. We're I getting there, but you... you. You have to set up everything. So I'm glad that Jack said to Sarah that he didn't want her to go in alone. He has been such a good source of support for her. And she really needs that. He's so, their relationship is so uncomplicated and good. And they really trust each other. And it's just, it's so sweet. Um, I also really like that Mick is okay, becoming more and more okay, incidentally, with casually dropping references to what happened to him at the vanishing point into conversation. Um, that's very much a really big indicator of his trust of the team 
And especially since Len is out of commission for the moment, he needs that. It's very, it, it's, it's affirming and, and a really nice thing to see Mick kind of casually, like, yeah, I was horribly brainwashed. Not because like, yay, Mick was horribly brainwashed, but like he feels comfortable discussing with the team and they don't either go, oh, you're talking about that again or Mick, you son of a bitch. It is your fault for being brainwashed. We're going to keep you in the shame basement. Um, it's just kind of a thing. They're okay with it. So I appreciated that. And now we can get to sexy robot wife. And now, you know, just brushing aside all the other pathos of the episode, Mick's horrible trauma. I'm just, just, if you could picture a table in front of me and one of them is Mick and one of them is Nate and Amaya and one of them is talking about old teammates. Just picture me shoving all of that off the table and then climbing onto the table and yelling, Rip made out with his computer. Holy shit, a lot happened. I mean, all of that is a moment of my life. And I definitely want to talk about Amaya later, but there's a lot that's incredible. Like, there's a lot about what we see of Rip's inner consciousness that was so interesting. Um, For starters, the fact that it was just a weight rider with the lights off, which is because we didn't have the money to go anywhere else. That fog machine must have cost them at least $20 at Party City. It was a very... that was all they could do. I can just picture Phil offset yelling, more fog! More I, you know fog! What? I'm okay with the fog. I'm annoyed with the, with the lights being turned off. And um, the, I the... saw Huna in concert on Friday, and her MC kept making jokes about how there was too much fog on the stage and no one could see him. And that is how I felt watching this episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um... But it was absolutely inside of the Wave Rider because they didn't have the money to go anywhere else. Um, I actually would have appreciated if it had, if it had been his mother's house. That would have been interesting. But I get why it was the Wave Rider, so it's fine. Um, Incidentally, fun we, thing for all you fans out there. Um, house that Ray and Kendra live in in the 50s. House Vandal Savage has the 50s party at. Ray and Kendra's apartment and Ray's Rip's mother's house are all the same set. We have, have one house set. And it's about two house. rooms. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, but to focus on, you know, I I remember we discussed last podcast, and I stand by it, that this concept, the way that they did his brainwashing was so interesting. And the sad thing is, is I feel like this episode kind of dropped the ball on exploring a lot of what made that kind of brainwashing really engaging. We get a very brief reference at the beginning, like Jax is like, oh, they're remember- making him remember the worst parts of being a time master. But like, we don't really see that interact with, with anything that's, that's like torturing Rip in a meaningful way. Um, and I wanted to know more about like the fact that Rip was being held prisoner by the team because what the, what did the Legion make him think the team had done? Like, I hope we get some more kind of, I want to know what he was thinking during his brainwashing because it seems like, they turned not only his own guilt and self-loathing and mental illnesses in on him, but turned the team into aggressors, um, possibly manipulated his memories in some way to make them seem more violent and like cruel than they had been previously, or just simply made him believe that they were. He might, they might not have changed any memories, but like if, that would be a relatively easy thing to implant, especially if it was just psychological constructs. Like it, it started to fall apart a little in this episode, which is a shame because again, 
when they were starting with the brainwashing stuff, it was, it was, it was unique and engaging. And that is kind of the downside sometimes to having something unique and engaging is it's such a new idea. They're not quite sure where they want to go with it. Um, I, I love though that Gideon was a, a physical construct in his head and B that they they deliberately they were like oh we could have corrupted his image of Gideon but we didn't because one it's a little weird that you think of your your computer robot ship like this and B we didn't think she was important but surprise she's really important to him I'm just picturing Eovard going through because he has a Gideon so I think he just assumed it's the same way he feels about his Gideon and his Gideon is way less advanced which is just oh and there's his computer but I also kind of want to imagine that he saw that it wasn't and that Rip had feelings for this artificial intelligence and just went, mm, that's going to be fun later. I'm going to leave that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him have that. Um, I will say, though, I really love, I mean, I know it was just because it's the actress who plays, like, who voice acts Gideon, but I love that Rip. mostly voice acting, and I am shocked because she is gorgeous. She's so pretty. But she's also a little older, and she has this very maternal look she looks i mean she's wearing like a jumpsuit she looks very comfortable she looks like a yoga mom like she looks like someone who's stable and sturdy and sweet and like everything that rip kind of needs right now and and it's everyone was attracted to her by the way Jax immediately makes a comment like did i hook up with you which is funny because that implies that Jax has a history of hooking up with older women that's which is incredible I'm not concerning because I don't want, but like, I'm like, wait, are, like, how, how old were these women and how old were you? Because I worry sometimes about him. Um, that's, All that of them may... have been pre-screened by Martin Stein. Yeah, that's fair. PhD. Um, <laughs> but like, I like that Jax has a thing for older women. I like and that then Sarah's, Sarah's like... immediately like, oh, the robot's hot. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to use robot and AI interchangeably. I know they are two different things, yeah. but I'm also aware that if Gideon gets a body, it will probably be some kind of artificial robotic construct. And that's why I'm saying robot. And also, because what are you, the cops? I can't, I can't say robot. You the robot cops? You yeah, robo cops? <laughs> but I will say that if they do give Gideon a body, they're just going to have to, like, they, they do not, it's going to be like the Fallout 4 thing where she's just an incredibly lifelike robot because they don't have the money for an AI, like an Android design. That would, I, I can feel the money just being slowly siphoned out of their wallets at the concept. But it is really, A, I love that Sarah was like, oh God, the robot's hot. I'm so happy. Um, and B, that Rip is expressly imagining Gideon as more maternal, more like in control of things. Um, he really needs control and stability right now. And that is what Gideon represents. Gideon's is... start to finish in this episode is basically the entire reason Rip is saved. I mean, first, he guilts her because she calls him Mr. instead of Captain. That was so And that awful. hurt me so badly in she so sounded... many ways. Oh my god. And then she we find like out that... While the rest of the team, or these evil constructs of the team, are running wild in Rip's brain, Gideon has literally been sort of clinging to the outskirts of his brain, sort of the bottom part of the wave rider. I don't know if she's been tapping SOS this entire time, or if she was able to sense that people had come in. 
I think it's something where because this is kind of a brain thing, and so like the laws of real like reality and physics don't apply. She was just emitting a constant distress signal, but as soon as someone else entered their like Rip's brain, they could pick it up. Rip was probably where he would find her, but he was locked in the shame cube in his brain. Yes, because he was too he was too afraid to venture out. But Gideon was hoping that if she kept saying she needed help, go entire time. Yeah, now that I think about that. The entire time she had been waiting for him to hopefully hear her distress signal and muster up the courage to come get her and she would help him. I want to die. Yeah, I have a great question for our listeners out there, and that is, uh, what does death feel like? Um, I think it feels like this. That because I'm really because I'm like right. She even if she didn't know, she didn't sense Jackson Sarah. She was really just hoping that he would be courageous enough to, to get up and, and and save her. And I hope that he struggles with his guilt over that because Rip is just full of guilt. And I would love him feeling awful that he just couldn't be strong enough and her reassuring them that like she doesn't blame him. And 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 oh my God, I. This is a lot. She's the one, and he can't get out of the box. His powers are not strong enough to get out of the box, and she just opens the door. Like, she just puts her hand on the door, and it opens for her. He's been waiting. He's been waiting. They have been waiting for each other, and that is the worst. And and it gets worse. We keep saying this is the worst thing. This is what death feels like. But it gets worse, and it's a snowball of death. It really is. It is. She is the reason that he defends Sarah and Jax, because even though, yes, he loves Sarah and Jax and he has these memories of them, he says, I don't know what's real and what's not, and Gideon says, they're real. And he says, you're right, robot wife. Well, because he looks at her. She's, again, right now, if Gideon is his brain's only stable construct. So if Gideon says they're real, then he has to believe her, because then he, if he doesn't believe her, he has no one else. But the fact that if she, and this is, says a lot, because Gideon, if we if we assume, and we should, that Gideon has had feelings for Rip this entire time, she's never acted on them, she's kind of bided her time and been hesitant and waited for him to approach her. But he was waiting for her to come save him, and he was only really saved when she decided, okay, I'm going to open the door, I'm going to extend my hand and help him, help him out and set him free. And, and again... Again, this would not have happened without Sarah and Jax, and I received a couple of anonymous asks, specifically asking about Sarah in relation to Rip now that he and Gideon have French kissed with tongue. I don't think it was that heavy. It was very, I really love that Gideon just kind of flung herself There was tongue kissing in my heart. It was, it was, it was the tongue kissing of the soul, yeah. But, um, you know, and here's the, Sarah, first off, would be the most down for a threesome I think she may have ever been in her whole life. Like, I actually love the idea of the three of them do work well together. There's nothing wrong with that. But right now, Sarah is someone, I think, Rip can go to Gideon because Gideon is stable. Gideon is, 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 is constant. Gideon is constant in a way that, Rip really needs because he has not had control for a very long time now of like anything. And I'm not just talking about like the team because he has no control over the team, but that's fair because no one has control over the team, but he couldn't save his wife and son. He couldn't stop the time Lords. Um, He couldn't without the team's help. He has no clue what he's doing right now. The team is flying blind, which we haven't really talked about much, but 
they're just kind of dealing with problems as they pop up. There's no real end game in sight. Um, he has no plan. He has no family. He has no hope of saving said family. He just got brainwashed. Um, he has no control right now. He feels absolutely adrift and desperate. And Gideon is a rock. Gideon is stable. Gideon is, is, is everything he needs to focus and kind of come back to himself. Sarah isn't. Not that I don't love their relationship, but he feels very different with Sarah right now than he does Gideon. He can trust Gideon's unconditional, absolute and complete love in a way that I think he's very afraid to trust Sarah with right now. And, you know, I think that's also because, and I mentioned this to Ari privately earlier, but Rip didn't break Gideon's collarbone, neck, whatever. Rip didn't shoot Gideon, and there's a lot of guilt there. And also, here's a fun fact. Uh, you can love more than one person at a time. And Ari thinks that they're going to love Triangle it a little more. I don't really think they are. I think it's just going to kind of be, okay, he and the AI are in love. And also, he and Sarah are in love. Because we clearly are headed for Rip and Sarah. I do. I mean, as much as I love comfortable polyamory... I'm on the fence. I'm not like a hundred percent certain they're going to do a love triangle. There are two reasons why I think they might. Number one, this is the CW. Number two, if, and only if Gideon gets a physical form when the Lance of Longinus does whatever it's going to do when it's finally completed, if the Lance of Longinus gives Gideon a body, then it is absolutely going to be a love triangle because now she has a physical form. But if that's not the case, then they will probably not do a love triangle. It'll just be kind of this weird thing. But the fact that Gideon brought up the kiss, because I thought they were going to just have it be a thing and they kissed and it was just in Rip's head and she's not going to remember because it wasn't actually Gideon. But the fact that Gideon knows, A, was that Gideon, like, the like what? What was Gideon like Gideon the AI in his head? Like, I if I think about it too much, my head hurts. Yeah, um, I mean, it kind of either she can well, we know Gideon can see dreams, but we also kind of there's no reason for us not to believe that because I put like if it was the real Gideon, share some kind of neural link, like it would make sense for the Time Masters to have some kind of neural link with their AI. Yeah, it would, but one, that's never been established. And two, now that I think about it, if Gideon knew that the real Rip was in there, and that was the real Gideon in Rip's head, you, you think she could have said at some point a little quicker, hey, Rip's in the shame cube right now, I've been tapping SOS on his brain for like three episodes, could you guys go into the thing that I know is on the ship because I am the ship and save him, and this is what, the now the black hole's in my fucking room. Great, it's spread, and it's probably gonna end. And if you're listening right now, the black hole might have appeared in your room just because you're listening to us talk about these plot holes. And we apologize. Please start taping your things down when you listen to this podcast. It gets a little weird and wild. It doesn't make any sense. And like now, because I'm, because because like we either because she knows they kissed, we have to consider that all of that happened, and we're not gonna get any answers. And you know what? I have to let it go. I just have to accept events as they happened and not question it too hard, which is which is difficult because I normally really enjoy questioning why things happen the way they do on a show. Um, that's why we're doing this. But I literally this can't. This is not show. one of those shows where you can. It, I just can't because it, it, it is a very poorly made sweater. And if I pull one thread, the whole thing is going to come apart in my hands. So let's just assume that Gideon couldn't communicate with them because wizards and <laughs> who can forget the wizards forget the wizards 
that said, Gideon's going to tell you all something really important and none of you are going to pay attention or listen. And in fact, we're never going to discuss this. It happened in canon. I would love if she had been trying to tell them and they were too busy doing things stupid, like shotgunning beers or lighting Ray's hair on fire. And then she goes, and they're like, Gideon, if that was actually you in Riff's head, why didn't you tell us? And she's like, I tried repeatedly. Like, this is actually how you could explain this. She's just like, I tried repeatedly to tell you. And it's literally just, like, cuts of them, like, playing drunk Jenga or, like, uh-huh. Sarah beating Nate over the head with a Monopoly box. And Gideon what? is going, excuse me, excuse Hello. me, Captain, excuse Captain me. Captain's on fire. Can we, you know what? I, I hope, I hope, excuse I hope, me. I hope the ship crashes. I really do. Like, that would be Hello. fine. Like, <laughs> but they're never going to acknowledge it. So it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. But the fact that they did, because I, I, I was like, oh no, we're doing this. We're doing the robot fucking, oh Jesus. I really did not think they were going to do anything beyond that one kiss. And then she's like, I remember it and I enjoyed it. And she has an emotion and Rip looks ready to light his dick on fire. Like I went I back and we should watched all light it. our dicks on fire just to be safe. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I will. I'm doing it right now. Um, Rip is horrified. Like, I really, like, I went back to rewatch, like, to see, like, did he smile a little? Did he look embarrassed? He just looks like she just stabbed him. Like, he, 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 he just kind of leans his head against this door threshold thing and goes, just, just looks, he looks in But the fact that he knows that she could enjoy the kiss, like, he, it, it, does speak to the idea that they do have some kind of neural connection and have had one because he seems aware that she would know that he kissed her. I don't. I, oh, black hole got larger. It's not. It's literally not worth trying to figure that out. Um, at least not in canon. Whether we play with that in in in, in alternate universe stuff is another story. But I have no idea what the canon is, and I I have I have watched every episode of the show. I don't know what's canon and what isn't. But. Maybe he the looks real like... canon was friends with me along the way. I'm sorry. Maybe the real canon, wait for it, was the AIs we fucked along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, he just, I just, I cannot get over how horrified he looks. Because he also looks really horrified. Like, but like let's go to... Way. Like, he does, because he's like, it, it does, it's not horrified like he's disgusted. It's horrified like, oh no, now she knows. Um... She remembers and she enjoys it, and I'm turned on and also upset. Like, he's not, like, guilty. Well, he's guilty. He's not disgusted, but he's just, he's just, he's just, he's just full of regret and deep concern. Um, let's also talk about Sarah having come in immediately before that with her tits out. Like, hey, Captain's back, what's up? Um, she was so happy to see him. And it's funny because we, you know, Rachel and I have talked before about the uh, interview Katie did where she said, like, oh, Sarah's gonna, Sarah's got a love-hate relationship with Rip, Sarah's really angry at Rip, um, there's, she's done some stuff she can't forgive, and then you would, you would never know, because she comes in, she's all, she's so happy to see him, she is all smiles, she's wearing a tank top for no other reason than to show off her arms and her boobs, because she's just so happy to see him, and she's and like, I was happy to see her arms and boobs. I was also happy to see her arms and boobs, they were, her arms are great, um, but I know we discussed she, last week that I might not be able to handle that, but I'm 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 kind of changing my mind. I think it's a risk I'm willing to take. That's fair. I support you. But she's so happy to see him, and he's immediately because he goes to apologize. And she's like, "It's okay. That wasn't you. We forgive you." And I'm glad. But I really thought she was going to 
hold more of a grudge because Sarah loves him the most. And there's been this pattern when Nick was Kronos, Len held the grudge the longest because he loved him the most. Like there is this kind of threat there. So I don't know if he's going to do something next episode to set off her temper more, but we didn't see any of that kind of grudge holding or anger or anything. She was just so relieved to have him back. When they all forgave him, it was really, it was really sweet. And I was kind of sitting there and I was like, can somebody give him a hug? But then I was also like, he was at such peak, just the most brittle English I have ever seen that I think if somebody was to hug him, he would have died. He would have died. Like he was, he would, he was like one of those small shaking, like tiny teacup dogs. Small rodents actually will die of a heart attack if they get too scared or excited. So rabbits, uh, Watership Down calls it going thorn. Um, because. And this was your nightly furry reference. Shut up! I love Watership Down. That has nothing to do with anything else. Leave me alone. It's a good book. Um, and going, uh, Stephen King also referenced Going Tharn, so shut up. It's not a furry thing. I mean, it could be, but it's not the point. Fuck. My point is, is that Rip is very nervous and, like, very afraid that they're all going to be mad at him. And I think that's kind of justified, because when you look at the current team makeup, he doesn't know Nate and Amaya, like, at all. So he's worried that these two people he doesn't know who are on his team are going to hate him. Because their only impression of him is as brainwashed Legion Rip. And her dad. And I'm glad that despite the fact that they don't really know him that well, they know that Ray and Sarah and Jax and Morton and Nick love him. So they're like, okay, I guess we can handle this. We can trust him. However, I do think Nate and Amaya, if we have the captain versus captain thing, it's definitely going to shake out with Nate and Amaya siding with Sarah. Immediately. Well, also because Amaya calls him Mr. Hunter, not Captain. Yeah. Whenever she references him in this episode, she does not refer to him as Captain. And fair, why would she? He's never been her Captain. Um, I I think Ray is probably going to be on Rip's side because that's just who Ray is. But Ray's probably kind of also going to be the Switzerland here. Jax is going to be on Sarah's side too, I think, but might defect to Rip later on in the episode. Um, Stein is going to be running between the teams, yelling, reconcile your differences. I cannot believe this. You are all disappointing me so Stein hard right now. Stein is going to be running between them, just throwing baby clothes at them. Like, look at what you could have if you stopped this bullshit. If you just stopped it. He's going to he's gonna lock them in the closet. They're going to do that seven minutes in heaven thing. It's just going to shove them right into the closet and be like, you're not, you're not coming out until you sort your differences out. Also, I just want to mention, because as I mentioned earlier, I did call this episode The Doctor's Wife, but that's only because Ari has told me this episode is shot for shot The Doctor's Wife. I have ever, I have never actually seen an episode. Okay, I saw half an episode of Doctor Who on BBC America. It's the episode where David Tennant and Colin Morgan are stuck on a plane together doing a shot for shot reenactment of the classic movie Airplane. No, but that was first off. It shocked. That that would have been hysterical. That's a very good episode, though. That is easily okay, one of the. Okay. Well, not... it wasn't as good as my suggestion, which is David Tennant and Colin Morgan doing a shot-for-shot remake of Airplane. But it's a lot of be... people will reference Rip as Rory from Doctor Who, and they'll make jokes about it. And I'm like, I have no fucking idea what this means. I, I... just know that I don't like him without a beard. Yeah. Well, that's fair. But first off, that's a great episode. That's easily one of the most fun episodes of Ten's run. I'm not talking about Doctor Who anymore because I will not stop. Um, I I don't consider myself a Whovian anymore, but I did watch a not insignificant portion of it during high school. Okay, so Whovian over. Let's talk about Nate and Amaya. Saying, I'm just saying. All right, okay. If we're going to talk about Amaya, good, because I have my one 
complain about this episode. I know we complained about a lot of other stuff. Wait, that was like in a general. complained about this episode, she said, <laughs> having already unfurled seventeen other complaints. Okay, so okay, so here's the thing about Nan and Amaya, and I just no, wanna hold on, hold no, on, hold on. My point is more important. You hold because I have to at least specify. This is my only writing complaint. Everything okay. else is general stuff. This is a writing complaint. Okay, well, if you yeah. want to get fucking fancy with it. I uh, do. What I'm going to say is um, I love spite. And so when people are like, if I sort of only ship something a little and then people are like, oh, I hate this. It's terrible. I'm like, Amaya and Nate had oral sex for seven hours. How do you fucking like that? How do you actually, like me now? I really liked it on its own terms. Not even just for spite. I do think it's really cute. My writing I mean, Yeah, I did like it before I saw that people didn't like it. And then seeing that people didn't like it, I was immediately like, mm, I like it more now. Which is not what happened with Atomic Hawk. I loved Atomic Hawk from day one. But, like, I really do. Like, I did just really like this ship immediately. My complaint is that they just... It seems... It, like, to go back to, oh, God, they've heard everything we were complaining about on this podcast... Um, it seems like they were like, you're right, we haven't done anything with Amaya this season. Let's just shove what could be at least a couple of episodes worth of development into two minutes of conversation. She's going to fuck Nate. She's going to be less repressed. She's going to be less she's internal. She's going to have more fun and be less weird. Than the- I'm like, sorry. Well, she is. And I'm really annoyed by that because, like, I liked that she was quiet and reserved and not very sociable and good at this. I would have liked that to have been more of a slow burn. Um, and the fact that we she just basically, kind of well, she just basically hand waved, like she was like, well, I guess I'm deciding she literally in dialogue as lazy as you can get, which is like, well, I guess I'm not going to behave that way anymore because of a character I talked to an episode ago who had, you know, I had five minutes of banter with and I, that completely decided. Yeah. Gonna- yeah. Don't pull the, oh, it was because of Courtney when she got absolutely no bonding with Courtney. Don't you try to retroactively give me bonding with Courtney and then pin it on Nate somehow. Yeah, like there was no Don't reason. Don't you make this Nate sins. This is the it, show's it, sins. I didn't say it was Nate sins. Oh, I'm it's talking, just, you know who I'm talking to. Just the general. But like, it is really frustrating that she had five minutes with Courtney and that just made her completely change her whole personality, her whole outlook on the team. This is a, a woman who just last episode was screaming at Sarah in the opening of it because she was pissed that Sarah was putting sentiment in front of the team and their objectives. And now she's like, well, I guess I could have sex with Nate because something, something, the girl I talked to for five minutes, like what? And like, like I, there are other reasons for you to have sex with Nate. There were ways for her to stay true to that character and have sex with Nate. Yeah. And like, it just, it but there's feels... kind of like, like Nate shows up and he's like, Hey, Amaya, do you want some plot? And she's like, I, I guess. And that's not either of their faults. That's the writing fault. Yeah. It's just frustrating because even with Amaya's new plot, quote unquote, it's about her kids. It's about the baby she's going to have. It's about how important people who aren't her, but she's going to contribute to are going to yeah, be. That's actually kind of why I like her with me. Cause I hate that. I, I hate, hate it, it so much. I really do. I mean, this show has, you know, like, and I love they... Mari. I do love Mari a lot, but also like, there's no reason that Mari could not be Nate and Amaya's grandchild. Yeah. I would love if they just did that instead, because it is really frustrating for them to be like, you guys can't be together because something, something timeline. Like it's because just, especially a... that's exactly what they did with Kendra and Carter. And we all know how that turned out. She said yeah. bitterly with a bitter expression on her face. And I love Carter. Yeah. But it's I'm just... bitter. 
it's just very frustrating. I don't want them doing it again, and I don't want that being Amaya's fucking plot. Like, she has a magical artifact. She made friends with a T-Rex this episode. A T-Rex we like, could not afford. For, I, first off, they should have just given, like, they should have just asked if they could have used Tina from Gumball and just kind of copy-pasted her assets into the episode. And My just favorite used... thing is that I think they really, I thought they were going to just do the, oh, and there's the T-Rex. I'm so glad we're on the side that can see I her. really did. I didn't think, especially after the Wave Rider, I really didn't think they would do it. She was and, in an episode and, like and, and, Okay, ago. I'm going to be a little petty. It was a very small T-Rex. T-Rexes are it was very much, small. much larger than that. I would have appreciated feathers, but I'm also like, when it comes down to texturing and bitmapping, you, you are they, definitely... you think these people have fucking money for T-Rex feathers? Well, that's the thing, is it's a lot less complicated to slap a pebbly, scaly texture onto an untextured T-Rex model than it is to try to animate moving feathers, so I get that, but also, lazy! We, we know you dinosaurs lazy. have feathers and, and, and that's what was lazy about this episode! Fuck, you know what I mean! Um, but, like, I love that she befriended a T-Rex. I love that she apparently has the Animorph thing where she can just take animals into her amulet, kind of, sort of, whatever. Let's do more of that. Let's go to crazy, far-flung locations. Like, let Amaya go make friends with more dinosaurs. Then she will have dinosaur powers, and then she will become the greatest character on TV. But they won't. Like, they don't. And also they give a shit like, about Amaya for I fell in love with reasons. her immediately because she touched a T-Rex. I'm like... Bullshit! It's not in Nate's character to do things casually. Just say that. Yeah, it's not. He really doesn't do stuff casually. That's why he and Ray get along so well, because they are just so emotional. You know, that's like Ray saying, oh, I fell in love with Kendra because she doesn't wear full shirts. <laughs> I mean, like, fair. The, the Same, Ray. But Ray. also, it's just who he is. It's, it's in your nature. He's like, Amaya was nice to Nate for five seconds, and, and, and that's it, man. You were nice to him for five seconds. We timed it. You're, you're, you're his wife now. I'm sorry. And, like, that's fine. That's part of what makes Nate endearing. But, like... Call it like you see it. Yeah. And I just really wish that it was more... I would like that he... I wanted him to kind of more, you know, not wear her down, but just kind of invite her into being a functioning part of the team and fraternizing and not just having her say, okay, I'm going to do that now because it would be easier for the writers if my character decided I was okay doing that. Like, it, it takes away a certain level of engagement and it cuts off paths for development when you just have a character decide that they're going to act a different way. And it's really, really frustrating and it's really lazy writing. I understand that we're under a bit of a time crunch here, but then maybe save that for next season. Like, aren't they? They are getting one, right? Yeah, they are getting an, a next yeah, season. Yeah, I thought so. They are at least getting a season three. Well, I do. I want the show to go go on as long as it can, provided it doesn't do something horrible in next next season. Like, it's just very frustrating that, like, after we just said Amaya wasn't being utilized properly, they were like, okay, so we're going to use her, but we're also going to make it really cheap and rushed. And, like, that's not fair. She absolutely deserves more of a plot line than, well, I guess I'm going to fuck Nate now. And also, speaking of fucking Nate, it was really weird that he was just suddenly, like, suave, well, I guess I could put it off until tomorrow, kind of, about fucking her. Like, Nate what? has been pure virgin for... 13 episodes, and you want me to believe at the end of episode 13 that Nate Fisting Bottom Haywood is suddenly like, I'm an adult now. 
I'm still hung up on fisting bottom. You know who else is a fisting bottom? Foucault. I just want to throw that out there. Whoa! Oh. <laughs> and you know, and you know, Ray has such large hands. Ray does have like. Oh my god, we were cutting this too. We were absolutely. Cutting I'm not cutting. This part is fine. You're so a fucking nightmare. This part doesn't involve anything controversial. Ari. My point is, like Nate. Is 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 just not like I don't I I don't think he's gonna I hope what happens is he pretends like he's gonna be cool and have it just be friends with benefits for a little while and it's not gonna be that way because that's the only way they can stay true to his character as it's been established thus far. But I have no clue if they're gonna go through with that. It's very hard to kind of weigh in on how they're gonna handle this new development in Nate and Amaya since we haven't seen it. But it's not off to a great start, and I'm not happy about that. I really do like this ship, so it's really disappointing. Okay, should we wrap it up? Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, we've been recording for an hour, and like, I will need to cut it down. So. Okay. Yeah, I figured. All right. And um, any any last any last words? Yeah. Um, when Rip and Gideon and Sarah have a three-way, it's going to end by phobia. You're going to feel it wash over you. You're just going to know it's over. I'm, so I'm waiting. to that. Fingers crossed. But I will not, say. Not for anyone other than white people, unfortunately. So. I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, welcome uh, to the motherfucking CW. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I guess, I think, I guess, you know what would be good if we talked about what we're hoping for next episode a little bit? I think yeah. that'd be a fun way. That'd be a fun format, too, because, like, then you could be like, oh, here's what I hope for, and then we could open the podcast with, well, did I get what I hope for? And the answer is usually going to be, absolutely the fuck not. Except in our relationships, because, again, we're right about everything all the time, including the dumb stuff that we kind of were sort of joking about, except, no, he really did fist the computer. My point is, he has such small hands, I don't really know. We did promise at the beginning of this podcast that there would be a lot of talk about fisting. Did we? Oh, God. Um, Welcome to the fisting hour, all fisting, all the time. (laughs) God damn it. My point is, I think what I'm really hoping for next episode is if Sarah's actually mad at Rip, I want her to address it because she does that thing where because she's so loyal to him, she never says when she has problems about things and she just kind of lets them drop, but then blows up, you know, three years later because she just never expressed her emotions like a normal human being. If she's mad, she needs to get it out now. She needs to deal with it. And I'm really hoping we get some sort of angry makeout for dominance kind of thing. If we don't get Q-tip fencing one or the other. Uh, I want Sarah to kiss the AI. That's my. That name. would also be great. I want Sarah I... to kiss the AI, and I want Jefferson Jackson to be the deciding factor on who is captain. Yeah, that'd actually be really interesting. I would love if he was the deciding vote. So I think we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, All right. My information is in the podcast graphic, and I post this to my Tumblr. So please send us asks throughout the week if there's stuff you want us to discuss next week. Sign you can also off. find. We're signing off? Yes, we are signing off. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I fucked it up. I fucked up. Yeah, you did. All right. I'm Rachel. Thanks for listening. I'm Ari. I fucked up. I'm sorry. I love you guys. Bye. Bye.